evening. Thanks for coming out tonight. Uh, we're real excited. Uh, we uh, every once in a while we 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 meet folks that are just you that are real, that are solid, and that they are what they are, and they 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 don't hold anything back. And uh, tonight we've got one of those guests, uh, Kevin Kubler. Uh, some of you may know him because he is part of the uh getting salty dynasty <laughs> the uh so is that like Kevin, is that like duck dynasty <laughs> yeah kind of like that a little different. i wish <laughs> so so uh, amongst many other things uh kevin and uh louis they the getting salty apparel company is rocking it they got good quality stuff and they they always are responsive to what's going on that's the Thing I like about it. There isn't too many New York shows or, or FDICs or show whatever where I don't end up picking up something or some kind of new doodad. This is one of uh Kevin's latest oh, that's a beauty. inventions. Right? You got stuff on here, screwdrivers and Phillips heads and and this he's got a ton of this stuff. But he also runs they also run a program called Getting Salty Experience, which you uh can catch on YouTube. What are you up to? Fifty thousand? What did I say? Fifty thousand followers? I don't. I don't know where we are. Somewhere. I think it's less than that. I think it's between almost thirty, maybe somewhere around that. All right. Matter of yeah. fact, the group—they actually have their own group that follows them. Has their own. They have their a own Facebook, page. a fans page. Yeah, they have like thirty thousand people in that thing. Yeah. But it's 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 crazy good. And one of the things I like about it um, is that it's raw in that as they start down these various paths from their guests and their guests are all you know are all uh famous fire folks is it gets wrong they just talk about whatever's there and, and you pick up so much stuff not only just new york stuff because we have people from all over the country that are sending stuff in in the chat room and then we can we can add and then that triggers more questions uh kevin comes from a long fan uh tradition fire service his dad was in the fire service uh his brothers are uh, when he lost one brother his other brother just retired as a chief uh, not uh chief. he hasn't he's a deputy he's, he's he's in the process of retiring now okay yeah, oh, 40, right. 40, 42 years 43 years 42 somewhere around there and you want to talk about a guy who's incredibly sharp uh, his, his brother's a hoot to listen to. <laughs> a little dry. <laughs> <laughs> Just a trope. Yeah. So I, you know, we're we're doing this this uh, session or these series on leadership. So we've had big cities. We've had uh, all kinds of different folks. We've had the direct did a blossom national fire academy. We had Bobby Halton. And you guys know the you know last last month we had reggie uh from oak oakland uh one of the things that kevin did uh that is that i thought was very interesting is when given the opportunity kevin did not did not promote up uh kevin made the decision to stay as the senior man um and i and we don't small bill <laughs> we don't you know a senior uh, listen there's a difference between a senior man and a man who's a senior in the firehouse, okay? So, you know, while I've had some good senior men in the department because we were small, right? We've had some great guys that were the senior, the senior guy in the whole department. And then they worked with all the guys to help them out.
Um, in New York, it's a little bit different. In New York, you actually have senior men uh, who, uh, and I'm gonna ask Kevin to do much more like explain this than I can. Uh, my, my understanding is they're like the officer's right-hand man. Um, and so Kevin, why don't you give me, give us a little bite on what that, how that process, well, first of all, tell us, tell us where you worked because I don't want to, I don't want you to lose out on, on that stuff as well. Well, I started in 210 in Fort Greene, Brooklyn, an engine, fairly busy engine, wasn't killing it, but we did a, a fair amount of work and I got to see what it was like to work in Brooklyn, you know, quick out the door. Uh, I went up to 16 truck in Manhattan for a little while and then they, they came up with this program where they were going to form new squad companies. They were going to, uh, it, was, it was mostly the beginning for, you know, back up to hazmat and they realized they wouldn't get too many guys going there. So they, they threw in all 1075s in, in the borough that you were in. So you, you were going to whatever fire there was in that borough. And then they threw in the rescue work as well, where they could get more motivated senior guys, guys who wanted to do, you know, the high angle, the collapse, they wanted to learn all that and go to fire and then as well do hazmat. So I finished my last 15 up in, in squad 288 in Queens. So you had 19 years all together. Right. Right, but I think the last, you said the last six months was great because what did you get to drive your brother? Oh, I got to drive my brother on light duty. Yeah, I had hurt my knee. I had several surgeries on my knee going back when I talk about the Father's Day file later. Um, and then the, I went to do light duty and I asked if I could go drive my brother who was the deputy okay. at the time and uh, had a great time. I really had a great time. He's a, he's a very dry, straight guy, but we had a lot of laughs, man. You know, and uh, I got to see what it was like. I actually feel that everybody should should drive the chief to see what it looks like from fighting a fire from outside instead of inside and see what responsibilities the chief has and getting everybody home at the end of the day. It's a totally different world when you're outside standing, looking in as opposed to being in there and looking out, you know. No, so absolutely. It was a great time. It really, I had a, such a good time driving him. Did. So the other thing to, to bring everybody up to speed is so you talked a bit a little a little bit about it, but when the when they stood up the squads, you guys were sent all over the country for what I mean you did the USAR stuff, you did the bomb stuff. We did, did the bomb stuff, we did uh, the live agent. So there was a uh, first you got trained in-house. You went to the rescue school down at rescue in uh, at the rock. We had our own rescue school and you learned uh, all, all the disciplines, you learned collapse, you learned high angle rescue, you learned, um, you know, you did two weeks of hazmat. And, and then what they would do is throughout the year, you would sign up for the classes and they would send you out to Albuquerque, New Mexico to bomb school. They would send you up to tanker car. They would send you up to, uh, I forget how many there were in, in all. And then throughout the course of the time, they would always have different courses that came up, like the most grueling one that we ever did, I feel, was when they put together a firefighter removal based on actual cases where we lost guys throughout the country. And it was a butt kicking, extremely physical, difficult, demanding, because they made the conditions as close as they could. So if it was hot, it was hot, you know, and you had to get the guy out and it was it was the, the most real uh, training that I think I might have ever did have ever done. So, did New York do that, or did you yep. go? No, nope, New York did that. We did that within SOC, so uh, with Special Operations Command, put this together. And like I said, they took all different uh, fires where we uh, unfortunately lost somebody, and it was really it was really good. It taught a lot of lessons, and it really 
gave me that puck effect and man it was really it was a it was a great training so we they did training continuously that's one thing that i gotta say being in special operations every day was training every night was training and then you came off the chart and went around the country and trained so because uh, we had some people that so we had some people go down to aniston mm-hmm. um uh, down to alabama there for that the live agent class yep. one of the things let me tell you something that uh in, in a much smaller scale, mm-hmm. uh, one of the cool things that we did around here, we actually found the paperwork. We started it back around 95, 96. We actually, uh, I think that when you when you guys were still calling them the fat companies or you might have just gone to fast, mm-hmm. locally, we got a bunch of folks that were interested in going down that path together. Mm-hmm. And we actually designed a program uh, where it had different levels. We had an awareness level, an operation, a technical level. Um, and we actually, uh, and, and we we kind of tried to do this similar to what you did. Um, in fact, I, I think you might, because uh, Mikey's last name is uh, escaping me. Uh, shoot, one of one of our guys is actually came, is was on rescue at the time. Is on Squad Forty One, mm-hmm. and now he, and he went to Rescue Three, and then he just retired a couple years ago. Not little Mike. Mike. L- little Mike. Uh, Mike with the glasses. Mike, Mike Lindy. Lindy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, okay, 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 okay. So then him, we have a couple other guys that have gone on to onto your job. So they came back and, and we we did that. They'd spend they'd spend six, eight hours constructing yeah. uh these these that you know, put the dummy in the back of the room and then just spend the rest of the day with, with telephone poles and whatever. And we do this, we did the, we did, we tried to, we obviously we couldn't do the same thing they would do to rock, but we tried to do as close as possible. That's great. Uh, and it's, it was the, some of the best training, some of the best training we ever did was when we were doing that stuff. Right. So when you're, so when you get up to 288, you're not the, you're not the senior man then. I'm almost the lowest on the totem pole there. Yep. Right. So, so how do we, how do we, obviously it's not just time and serve. How do you get to be that? How do you get to be that senior man? Is there also, is there a bidding process? Is there, is it just survival? <laughs> you know, I, I'm going to be honest with you. Um, you usually they're going to go in, in a normal company. It's time in the company, right? Then time on the job, or sometimes they'll do time on the job and time in the company. But uh, for us, it was Hank Malay who came over from uh, Rescue One, uh, was in 132 truck, went to Rescue One, went to 175 truck, and then came to us. So he was our go-to guy. And, and and the senior man actually acts like you said. He's the buffer between the men and the boss. All right. So you want to keep everything that you can within the men without it having to get up to the office. So whatever the senior man can take care of, you know, the most that he can take care of before he has to go up and, and confer with the offices is what the senior man's real ideal role is, basically. But he's also doing, he's also, my understanding was particularly with Hank, he's also designing the training. He's coming up with the training. Correct. Yes. He's there to answer any and all questions. You know, those are usually your most experienced guys, you know. And and for me, like I said, you know, usually it's time on the job or time in the company. But there are times, like, you ask yourself, what is the senior man? He's the guy that I'm going to go to that I can ask any question. He's the guy that's going to lead by example. So that might not be the guy with the most time, you know, because that guy might be, have the most time, but like we used to say on the job, maybe he's an empty suit. Maybe he's 
in name or in time, he's a senior man, but he's not really the guy who you're going to go to. So the guy that everybody knows in the senior man is, is almost like most of the time it, it's, it's plain to see who the senior man is, but there's a lot of times that the guys will go to a guy that they think is really the senior man. You know, maybe he's not the guy with the most time, but he's the guy that they're going to go to that they know they can get the, the answers from and an impartial, you know, he acts as the referee. He acts as everything, the senior man. So they know who that guy is in the firehouse. They're going to, they're going to single him out and they're going to know who the guy is that they can go to all the time. So he's that informal leader. Is what they in today's yeah. class, that's what they were yeah. taught, right? Yeah. But he also, but he's he's also if he if if somebody messes up, is he going to take care of that first before to make sure to yep. square it up before it gets upstairs? You don't want it to go upstairs. You want the men to handle as much as they can. You don't want it to ever get upstairs. You want to keep that downstairs with the boys. So he will hand out discipline or you know whatever it is. You know the guys. Somebody's got to wash the dishes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah you know what i mean yeah, but but in the same respect like when hank was our senior man he's the first guy jumping up in the dishwasher he's the first, i used to say hank give me give, give me the mop he'd say no you know many hands make light work and uh you go do whatever you gotta do i'm gonna do right away you know that guy's a senior man you know right he's not saying he's not sitting at the kitchen table watching everybody work and saying i'm the senior man look at me i'm the senior man right you know, that's the guy you really don't want to follow. <laughs> the guy who's sitting there claiming that he's a senior man, you know, letting everybody else do the work. I had a little bit of a different system is in that not having that senior man. I, in my world, the company officers need to work stuff out between them, right? So we work 24 on 48 off, right? So you got a day off, but there was always, it's why I had three, I had three officers and they were running their shifts. But there was always going to be something, some hiccup going on between two shifts or somebody gets mad or somebody didn't do something. And I'd say, you take care of it. If it comes to me, I'm going to take care of it. And someone's going to, maybe everybody will be unhappy. Yeah. We're going to come, we're going to find a solution to that problem. Right. And, but if you, if you, you work it out and nobody's getting, you know, it's not going to trigger another problem. Right. Then let's see what you can do. Let's see what you can do. Yeah, like if somebody's supposed to work that day, for whatever reason, they have a brain fart and they don't show up for work, the senior man will say, do me a favor, start calling guys. Let's get somebody in here. Let's not get let it get up to the bosses yet. Let's get a body in here and then we'll take care, take care of everything so it doesn't have to Oh, okay. Wow. A, they have that much. Turn into a McGilla. Much... You know? Well, yeah, yeah, they'll have the guys call and say, I don't know, or call the guy. Hey, dude, you're supposed to work today. You know, you know. So if he don't pick up his phone, maybe he overslept, whatever. Can you work today? Can you work? Okay, you can work. You're working today. We're going to cover that spot. So okay. he takes care of whatever problems he can. You don't want it to get upstairs to the bosses. All right. So they're not, he's not, sub, on, on the other side, because I know there's some people thinking this, he's not subverting the bosses. He's not trying to nah. uh, work around him. He's just that he's trying to help him out. Yeah, that's a senior man's role, to take care of whatever he can before it gets up to the bosses. Give me some examples. One of the what's your what was your favorite uh, drill? The the drill you did. Uh, what was it? What you had to carry the stuff up the stairs or something? You had. To I had a thing. My whole thing when I was there, it, it, you know, what I'm known for is I used to put a thing together called the Squad Olympics. So it would be a series of skills, right? So I tried to make it fun because drilling could get boring. Drilling can get you know, monotonous. So I put together a series of events, some of them being physical, some of them being skill-based, some of them being blindfolded, 
um, where guys would compete against each other under time. And it would be a little competitive thing. You know, maybe we'd have a little trophy. Or maybe that guy would get whoever won. We'd get their dinner paid for that night. But it would be, okay, you start here. There's a portable thrown up to the, you have to throw the portable up to the second floor, climb it, black out, get in the window, search, find a dummy, bring him to the window. We don't want him going out blindfolded, of course. Take your blindfold off, come back down, run downstairs, force a door that we had. A, we had a, one of those uh, doors that you could force. Force yep. the door, come back upstairs. There'll be three different tools there with some steel. You got to cut with the saw. You got to cut with this. You got to cut with that. And then maybe two other events. Time. That's it. And guys would love it. And, you know, of course, maybe the lazy guys wouldn't like it so much because it was physically demanding. But we would change up the events from time to time. Sometimes we would do, uh, you know, a patient packaging. And we would do it. You have to do it blindfolded. And see who oh. can do it blindfolded with, you know, on the time. And it makes it competitive. Same thing with the roof rope rescue. You know, how long would it take you to set up the roof rope and send somebody over the side? So you were doing the same. You were doing the same thing. I think the trucks are do the roof rope like once a week. They pack whatever. their rope once a week. They don't necessarily deploy it. You know, we would we would uh, run the whole system. We would do what it takes to get a guy over. And then maybe what I would do is say, uh, all right, this is what happened now. The guy lowering somebody just got his hand caught. How are you getting him out? You know, and they would have to figure out a way to get him, you know, get his glove out or which there are different various ways that we would do it. But they would never know what I was going to throw at them. And, th and that's what we would do. We would change it up and they would have to come up with solutions. We so were doing competitive. <clears throat> we were doing a repelling drill uh, off of an old school up in uh, Old Mystic. And they had this this huge guy, a very big gentleman who eventually went on to work at Bridgeport and he's so he's we were tied off to the uh, chimney and he we're going over the side and he didn't have his coat buckled right he's got his coat open and sure enough the coat got sucked right up into the figure eight yeah and it's like oh my god <laughs> so it's like four or five of us up there trying to relieve the pressure so we can, him, yeah. you know, just try to, then we get ready to send a second rope over. You know what I mean? To try to, cause it was, he was hanging there. He wasn't going anywhere. Well, he created a drill within a drill then, right? That's right. That's yeah. right. He did. He did. And that can happen, right? I mean, in real world, that stuff could happen. No doubt. I think that's one of the, I think that's one of the things we're real weak on. Uh, and, and I've been doing some research on it is that when you're, when you're creating a drill, you have to do worst case scenario. You just uh -huh. have to, you have, we recreated. So, so years ago, uh, there's a guy named Brett Tarver. He died in Phoenix um, and they brought the whole Valley in to Phoenix and they ran a series of fast drills in closed restaurants. Uh -huh. And one of the things that they found is out of every 12 people, rescuers they put into the game, two of them will have a problem. Their mm -hmm. back won't work. Something will, they'll trip, they'll fall, they'll twist it. There's going to be something wrong. We came back here and we did that same scenario. And I'll be, and it was much smaller. It was a much smaller, but we had four or five different uh, five person teams trying to get this guy out of this, uh, this old office. And we had the same problem. We had the same exact problem. For every 10 people we put in there, we lose like one, one and a half. We, we, it was the same ratios. It was crazy. Yeah. So I, I, I don't think we, uh, some places, and again, this is where you get a little, you can get defensive. Some places they, 
they're just trying to get the basics through. And then there's right. other places that take it to the next level. And then I think there's some places that get us right on the edge. Um, and sometimes people get hurt there. So there's, you know, there's a lot of debate there. But I think if planning on the worst case scenario happening is, is that's how we get into these jams all the time. Because it's never, it's never going to go the way it was planned. It never will. The fire service is so unpredictable. And I've said this on my show a million times, that this job will humble you in a second. In a second, it'll humble you. I have been to jobs before where we've had firefighters down where I've heard guys who I thought was cool as a cucumber screaming at the top of their lungs because it's it goes sideways that quickly. And this is sometimes you're never gonna be able to account for all the possibilities that might happen. The best you can do is just be a thinker, teach guys to think and teach them the basics of what to do and what you can do if something happens. So they can apply that to several different things that could go wrong, you know? teach them the skills and teach them to think outside the box. I think the importance of the mentoring is there too. Cause I know you said it, Louise said it a couple of times. If you hadn't been, let's say you were with Hank, if you hadn't been with Hank, when he made a move to do this or do that or whatever, and you weren't right there, you wouldn't have realized you could have done that. Yeah. I, and I'll talk to somebody, somebody, you know, so we're doing live burns up here and I'm with, I'm with Timmy Brown and Rex Morris. Mm-hmm. And my and my mentor, Danny Keogh. Rex Morris, Rex Morris, Rex yeah, Morris. Yeah. Oh, senior. I got him. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> senior, senior. Yeah. So we're and so we've got the, in this stairwell, we've got this ridiculous fire going in another downstairs, and we got a fire at the bottom of the stairwell. I watch Rex go down the stairwell, and I'm not recommending this to any young firefighters. I watch Rex go down the stairs with no mask on, mm-hmm. and I watched him following the air path. Mm-hmm. I watched Timmy. He sees Rex. He follows Rex. He goes down. Then my buddy Dan. He follows Timmy. I said, "Hey, I'm here. I'm the last one on the step." <laughs> so I followed him down. Now I would never do that now because I'm not built for that anymore. Back then, I was actually knew what I was. I was actually not too bad. But but I would have never thought of that, and I would have never thought that was even possible if I had not right. seen that. You know, so I think a lot of times we we got to we have to take the young ones because one of the issues that we see a lot is right is you got these all these certifications and they go they go through all the certifications in like three years. Yeah, but they've gone to two fires. Yeah, in the three years, as opposed to, you know, three fires and, you know, in, in a day or whatever. Uh-huh. So I think wasn't so. So this was a senior. So when you when the assignments were given out. Was the senior guy given the, no. the assignment or the one with the, because the officer has the probie, right? Well, we didn't have probies in, in squad. Yeah, they they didn't point. take probies. We didn't, that, that's, the, that's one of the good things, not one of the good things, but we never got to teach guys fresh out of the economy because we never got probies. So when we, when we formed, you know, we looked at the list and we saw the guys where they were from and, and um, like Hank's the guy. Hank is definitely the guy. And what happened was we formed, you know, Cat Murphy was a strong presence. He basically said, Hank is your senior man. You will listen to everything that Hank says. And that's it. And that's how we got, you know, running start. So, but I want to say to you too, when you're talking about Rex, you know, like going to fires, you can learn by your mistakes too, especially if you got a guy who's aware of your mistake while you're doing it. So Hank and I, we caught a job. Um, it was a two-story private dwelling. 
and there was fire coming out the first floor. The engine had the line stretched to the first floor, and we made a move, him and I, to, to go past the fire, go up to the second floor. So we went up, we did our search, you know, we did a good job, and we came down, and Hank said, he did a really good job. He said, but did you notice that, you know, on the exposure two side, which it was a, it was a um, corner building, there were no windows. They covered up all the windows with aluminum siding. So if, if we needed to bail out, I said, no, I never even, I never even looked. I was so excited to get up there and I was, you know, running behind him, but he took the time and he took a look and he said, I, you know, I realized that. So I had that in the back. He said, I had that in the back of my head. We had no windows. So we weren't getting out any other way, but either the back or the front. So that taught me a lesson right there. But you know, I, I was taught a lesson in fire conditions, you know, like he was with me, he knew it, but he, he was able to, to impart that to me, that lesson, you know, even though I made a mistake. So one of the things I think that I, I watch way, everybody will tell you, I watch way too much YouTube, but one of the things that I, I get a, uh, a big kick out of, and it's more with the, with the sock guys, uh, it, 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 always the officers got his head up, but a lot of the other guys are worried about what they're doing but the sock guys almost to a man they're all when they're walking up they're 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 taking a look at the big picture of things just in case right. yeah size right. it up yep right just because they don't know where they might be <clears throat> yep. you know? and one of the one of the things you know we we talk a lot about talk a lot about talk a lot about is don't forget the back get a 360 get eyes somebody back there take mm -hmm. a look yourself i've seen a lot of times where again, the officer will shoot down the alley or shoot down the side, get a look, come back around, and then report in, mm -hmm. like, you know, to the boss and say, "Hey, listen, this is what I just saw," and those and that and that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um. What is when? And then you eventually became. So let's move you up. So now you are the senior man. It really didn't happen like that. I'll tell you <clears throat> how it happened. After nine eleven, you know, we lost, you know, a good part of our company. So it kind of automatically moves you up, you know, um, and then because sock was so depleted, sock lost a good amount of guys, that percentage of the 343, a good number of those guys were from yeah. sock. So of course now the rescues lose a lot of guys. So anybody who had their eye on going from a squad to a rescue, now those opportunities are out there, right? So the, the rescues were backfilling with a lot of guys from the squad. So could I have gone to a rescue? Probably, but you know, I always wanted to stay in the squad. So I was kind of forced up that ladder before I had the time to back it up, you know, um, but it is what it is. We had new guys coming in from regular companies. I was already there. So I kind of got forced into that role of uh, being a senior guy without really having the time of a real legitimate guy with 14, 15, 16 years on the job, you know? what i have uh eight nine something like that you know now you almost said it but you lost night <clears throat> did you say 19 guys just we lost 19 guys from firehouse to your firehouse right yeah that included yep. that we should let everybody know that hazmat's in there too hazmat's in our firehouse too that included guys from hazmat so not only that you know you had louie and jimmy devolio those guys got promoted too right after 9-11. So now we're losing guys for promotion. We lost guys from 9-11. Now we're losing guys going to the rescues. So it kind of forced me up that chain before I was really ready to have that job, you know? So I had to make two. 
It's like, uh, yeah, it's like, really, like, really, you know, like it's very, it's very difficult. You know, guys looking at you with eight or nine years on, you're the senior guy. It's not really the usual thing. Usually the guy's got 15, 16, 17 years on and he's the senior guy there. So I had to make two. So I tried to do my best is all I could do. And take you what know, Hank taught me and what, what those other guys taught me, Brian Fahey, all those other guys, and, and, and put into practice what they taught me, you know? We had this problem in the volunteer companies, and this is not meant, again, as an insult, or not only that, but in, in, in many departments, but it's it's kind of highlighted in as we struggle to bring in staffing and bring in people to, to run the with the volunteer companies, is if we get a, we'll get a kid, Right, and he's 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 into it. He's doing the right things. He's getting the right training. He's coming to training. He's helping out. Right, that's going to take that's going to take pretty soon, particularly because he's probably going to get firefighter of the year or something because he's the most active person. Next thing you know, people are starting to look at him. Hey, he's the future. He's the future. So or she's the future. So they grab that person and say, Hey, you want to be an officer? Right? Yep. You want to be an officer? We'll send you to this. We'll send you to that. And a lot of times they can't catch up with that that's that train you know what i mean they may they yeah. may get to go to the knowledge class but again i think there's a hole out there where we you know we we look at trying to have those people be those first initial officers we had we we did a program uh at one of the local uh fire schools and one of the things we we wanted to add and we ended up because of weather it didn't work but one of the things we want to do is in that class, well, it's called how to, so you want to be an officer, is give them a night where they are the company officer and run them just through some basic scenarios, just so they have an idea. Because again, they're being pushed into those officer roles right? and they they don't have time in the they, saddle. If, if a guy's getting promoted in the firehouse, the officer will usually switch with him the last month or two before he's going to get promoted. And every time he works, the officer will go in the back and he'll oh. let the guy ride in the front so he gets oh. that feel of what it's like. I I got, my officer broke his ankle one time, Tony Tedeschi. So what they usually do is they take the senior guy and he finishes out the tour as the officer. So I had that happen to me once. One time, and the one time I had it, I had a guy miss a run. He slept around. I'm like, really, dude? Oh, no. <laughs> the one time that I'm going to be the officer, you're going to sleep through a run. Oh, <laughs> so, my God. Yeah. Oh, that's crazy. Yeah. We actually, uh, 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 Chief Hyde, Hague. Yeah, Donnie Hague. Donnie, we actually, my mentor and I actually rode with him down in uh, Flatbush when he was on the tiller. Great guy, man. We had him on the show. Great guy. Really great guy. Crazy. Again, this goes to the culture, this crazy. So they had a, I'll just share the story. They had a frozen pig sleeping on the sleeping on the couch because it was Oktoberfest the next day, and they were going to barbecue this this cook this pig, but they're scratching their heads. They couldn't figure out what they were going to do. So we're we're, we're going through the checks with everybody, and they hear the roof saw start up. The <laughs> next thing you see is this red line come out. They they use the roof saw to cut the pig in half so it would fit into the oven. You, like can't, you cannot make up the stories of the stuff that goes on in the fire. You couldn't make it up if you wanted to. Where would you come up with that? Where would you come up with it? First of all, I didn't know who the guy was. I was surprised that there was this guy sleeping on the couch the whole time we were getting introduced and everything, and he never got up and never moved. <laughs> yeah. It was like an hour and a half later. I said, what's the matter with that guy? And he go, what guy? Is it a guy a on, the, on the couch? He goes, he's a, a pig. 
It's tomorrow's crazy. luau. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's right. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's crazy. So let's talk. Let's. Uh, if it, do you have any other senior senior man tips? Because I want to move on to the Father's Day. Uh, I do. Uh, and one thing that I wanted to say is that um, actually, there's two things. If I have time, you have listen. This this is all you talk until you're done. Okay. So one thing I used to tell guys all the time, like there might be a certain guy who is you know the square guy that doesn't fit into the round hole. Maybe he doesn't. Maybe he's not like everybody else. You know what I mean? Or maybe he's got a bad rap for whatever reason. I used to tell all guys that new guys that come there, I used to say, listen, do me a favor and make up your own opinion by your interactions with this guy and what you see at fires and what you see him doing in the firehouse and not what every other jerk in the firehouse is telling you about this guy. Because it's very easy to fall into that, hey, this guy is a pill of you know what. Oh, well, how, why do you say that? I don't know, because uh, Joey told me that he is. Well, yeah. really? Have you ever been to a job with him and forced the door with him? Then make that make that decision on your own. Make that evaluation on your own. Especially for young probies, they're going to listen to all these chirpers. Oh my god! Oh. Same thing with the uh, you know they tell you right at a probie school. You know the rescues and squads they suck. Don't do it. You know they're all they're going to steal your line. They're going to do this. They're going to do that. So right at a probie school, these guys you know giving you the stink eye. <laughs> You're coming up to jobs. You know so make your opinion up on your own. You know on your own interactions and your own experience. That's a great point. That's a great point. And the other thing is. Um, it's very, you know, the firehouse is a pack mentality, dog jump on the rabbit type of thing. You know what I mean? So if you're trying to teach somebody and he's a new guy and he's got, uh, you know, five or 10 sets of eyeballs looking at him, you know, try not to put him in the situation where uh, it's it's not a, a learning environment where you're, you're waiting for him to fail. You know, it's almost like guys are sitting there waiting for him to fail so they can say, oh, this guy's got to go back. He's terrible. You know what I mean? So... What I used to do now and again, if we had a, a new guy or if a guy was having trouble with something, whatever it was, I would I would take him and say, hey, hey, do me a favor, man. I haven't done this in such a long time. Did you show me how to do this? You know, I don't want the other guys to know. Just tell me, show me how to how to do this patient nice. packaging or whatever it is. You know, that way he could tell me without feeling that pressure of guys waiting to him to slip up so they can, you know, deem him no good or whatever it is, you know. Well, that's, oh. that's that's awesome and it, and there are, some people are just different you know yeah. and, and and we've had times where you know that all of a sudden it was like oh, this tremendous point is made by the, this this guy that no one thought he had a clue and he was actually the only one that saw the picture yeah. saw the situation for what it was and it's like oh crap he's right right and then all of a sudden we had to shift tack the whole the whole thing over yeah. one of the things that one of the things that every firehouse bus chops, but in New York, it's an art form. <laughs> so, yeah. I mean, it, it's, and, and that was the one thing that uh, we had to rattle back on is that uh, in, in our world, there were limitations of what you could talk about and, and, and the, and the, and the chops that you could bust. But in New York, it's, it's, it, I would it, tell guys, Nick, I would tell guys all the time, listen to me. In the 60s and the 70s, my father brought that home. I had seven brothers and sisters. We had a giant table. If that table was not the firehouse kitchen table when I was a kid, then I had my brothers get on the job. Then my uncle was on the job. So I was engaged in that since I could remember. So I say to him all the time, 
there is nothing that you're going to say to me that's going to hurt my feelings, bro. It's been said a million times before. You can't get to me. I grew up in this. My father used to say it to me. My brothers used to say it to me. So, you know. But even, in the, but even the, the the dark humor. So uh, I was with a guy and his brother was on the job in New York. And his brother had a terrible, was involved in a terrible, this before Hoods, terrible fire. And he literally destroyed his ears. Mm-hmm. His ears just shrunk up. To, they ended up taking off most of his ears, and uh, so <laughs> he's in he's in the burn center for months and months and months and months. Right, he finally gets out. Finally gets back. Um, I think there. I I think he got back on the job. The first night he worked, they threw him a New Year's Eve party. <laughs> <laughs> Love that, bro. That's, that's that's. There's just no. There's no. You know what I mean? They're, they're, yeah. well, actually, what happened was he had no. I'm sorry, and he had had plastic. That's what I'm, the rest of the story. He had had plastic surgery. So the the first night back, the first night back on the job, they threw him a New Year's Eve party. That's, yeah. I mean, you know, you know, Johnny Walters from Rescue One who got hit behind yeah, right yeah, from yeah, the yeah. camp. Oh my I, god, he lost the light. So every time we talk, he's in the chat or he comes on the show, we play the screeching crash, <laughs> screeching crash noise, and it never gets old, man. It's great, and he laughs and we laugh. He's a he had a guy who lost his leg and uh and you know it's a tragic accident. But for a guy who walks around like that, he just it's just what it is. Yeah, just, he sent us pictures of his, his prosthetic with our stickers on it and stuff. It's great, man. That's that's the he best was just, part I just saw a picture of him down down Florida with somebody. Yeah. Um, I can't remember who it was. Was he in Disney, maybe? I don't know. Maybe he was in Disney. No, no, he was at somebody's playing golf or something. Something. One-legged race. I don't know. There we go. <laughs> hey, so let's talk about the. Let's talk about a close call. So, uh, so tell it. Uh, not everybody knows, and not, nor do I know all of the parameters and all the the background. I do know that the the kid we were talking about, Mike Lindy, he got delayed going to that job, and uh, where did and he work? Oh, I can't remember. I can't. There might have been delay. Uh, all right, so I'll set it up for you. It's, it's Father's Day, um, and we get a we get a run, a hazmat run. All right, down to Astoria. Um, it's it's uh, chemicals in a supermarket. So we have a second piece, which is a hazmat tech piece. We take the rig and we take our second piece, and we roll out. Hazmat beats us in there, and as we pull up. Uh, Johnny Flynn, I don't know if he was a captain or lieutenant at the time, says to Captain Murphy, hey, Cap, we, we can handle this. Take up. It's not a problem. Okay. So, of course, the guys who I know down there are breaking our shoes about the, the, the bread truck, you know, <laughs> like a nice bread truck, how many loaves you got in there and stuff like that. So we make a right on one block. We go down two blocks. We make another right. And I can smell smoke now. So it's me and another guy in the second piece that I said to Timmy. I said, I think we have something over here or something. I could smell wood burning, you know? So a lady pushing a, a, shot, uh, a baby carriage comes out and stops the rig and says to Cat Murphy, there's a fire in this hardware store. So he says, all right. He said, Kev, park the, the second piece up the block. He said to Adam Rand, who we lost, murdered on 9-11. Um, he said, uh, Adam, take a hydrant. I can smell, I think we got something here. So he walks around the back, he walks upstairs, he's trying to find the layout, you know, and he relays back, he says, uh, stretch a line, we definitely have a fire here. So we give the 1075, the only problem is all of those units now are at this whatever spill down the block, all the first and second due units. So 
we got it all right. There is nobody there. We we drop two lines, um, and we start for, we start forcing the gates. We start cutting the roll down gates because it's sealed up. We cut the roll down gates and it starts chugging. So the captain says, "It it I can hear it crackling around the back. There's like a driveway that goes down. There's a door there. I can hear the fire. It's downstairs. But let's stretch the line to the top of the stairs like we're supposed to." So. We stretch, we drop two lines, we force all the gates, we force the door, we stretch a line to the top of the stairs. By that time, they're, they're letting the units go and all the units are coming in from the other, from the hazmat box. Um, we get to the top of the stairs, we open the door. Timmy Garrity has the nozzle. I forget who's, the John Burner's got the backup. I have the door. Captain Murphy's there. We open the door and there are nails and propane bottles and they're met with a like a green flame that comes shooting up the stairs they close really? the door yep captain murphy says all right listen we're gonna hold the stairs here stretch a, tells the other unit stretch a line to the back the fire is right there knock down the fire so it starts to get shittier and shittier the smoke is really banking down by this time i think rescue four had uh, come from uh, I don't know where they were. They've come in, and uh, Hazbat actually gets off the box, and they come. And the chief, I think John Moran, big guy, says, "Let them get it back there. You know, it's right there." But the problem is, it was uh, a, a steel door that had the steel beam across it set yep. into the door. Yep. They could not force this door. They could not get the door open. One sixty-three truck. I forget the guy's name. He's giving it hell, man. He can't get it open. They try to get the hearse tool back there to get the door open. Can't get it. Captain tells me to go out, take all the the glass in the whole front. I take all the glass in the whole front. Now it's banking down real good. And the chief says, "What's the story here, Cap?" He goes, "If they can't get it, we're gonna have to go down the stairs." So uh, Rescue Four is at the top with us. It's uh, Brian Hickey from Rescue Four, Johnny Game. And us, and uh, the captain says, "All right, guys, have you guys used your bottle? Everybody check." We're like, "Not nah, cap, we're good. We haven't taken any breaths." Because I turn the bottle, we're gonna make a push downstairs. I the second, what's that? Oh, I hate cellophores. Yeah, the second, Nick, I tell you, the second he said that, it felt like we were standing behind a jet engine and somebody threw the switch. It just everything blew, and uh, we all got. We got shot so high, I think we might have hit the ceiling. And then depending on where you fell is, uh, you know, some guys fell. I think, I believe Brian Fahey rolled into the basement. I don't, I don't know how he got down there, but we were all just, you know, waist deep in um, debris. And that was it, man. It was, uh, it was uh, an oh shit moment where uh, I had a little bit of panic set in and uh, I couldn't see anything. And uh, I was given uh, maydays, and I. This is what I tell guys all the time. As difficult as it is to stay in control and not panic, I ripped my face piece off my face because I was in such a panic from the explosion and everything else. So, as best you can, you need to try to stay calm. And that's probably the worst thing I could have done was take my face piece off because God knows what I could have took one hit yeah. and and went down. And that was it. So uh, when the smoke started to clear a little bit i could see a little bit of light but it wasn't where we came in uh so i just started crawling slowly towards the light and it was actually the whole side of the building came down 
on Harry Ford and uh, Downing and uh, Joey Vasilla from uh, Ladder 116. And uh, I couldn't make it anymore. And it was actually Hazmat. Believe it or not, Hazmat came in and, <laughs> and just, as embarrassing as that might be, Timmy Regan, Dennis Scalzo, who we lost on 9-11, uh, dragged me out. And uh, I think the captain and the rest of the guys came out through that one side and and that was it. And uh, what had happened was Petey Brennan, who we lost also, was working in, in hazmat that day, was smart enough to, as soon as the explosion went off, he gave it 1060 and called for two additional rescues, which was a real heads up move, man, because uh, they gave it hell trying to get Brian Fahey out of there. And uh, I remember sitting on the curb because I had, uh, I broke my kneecap, Captain Murphy tore his ACL, Timmy broke his ankle, John Bernard tore his ACL. Um, I remember Brian Fahey making transmissions on the radio. You know, I'm, I'm under the cellar, I'm under the stairs, come get me, you know, uh, oh. rescue irons, I'm under the stairs, come get me. And you can hear his vibro alert going off in the back, you know, so it was, uh, it was really surreal, man. It was, uh, but this is one of those jobs, Brian, that I've gone over with Captain Murphy. A million times in my head had he not said he had a spooked feeling when that when that uh, green type of flame came up he was like and all the shit that was on the stairs he's like this is just i got a bad feeling we're gonna what we're supposed to do is stretch to the top of the stairs which we were in the right position everything was done to by the book everything and that's why i tell you i said to you before the job can humble you in a split second which it did we did everything right. We dropped two lines. We had a line to the top of the stairs. They were going to hit it from behind. But, you know, that guy Murphy sneaks up, man. And uh, it just, Murphy's law, it just, it could go sideways in a split second, which it did. And I can't say that anything that happened at that job was not done the right way. But it's just fire. It's just so unpredictable, man. It just, uh, it happens. Did you ever hear? Did you ever hear the tapes from Boston with the Back Bay fire? With I, I the air? It's, huh? it's it's heartbreaking. Oh, it's absolutely it, heartbreaking. It's it's so hard to 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 and you. I mean, you're listening to it and you want to. It's almost like you're screaming at whatever. Yep. But you, yep. you, I mean, they they went they were going down that hall with two two and a halfs, and those dudes got burned. Yep, my buddy who was. Uh, his name escapes me now. I was in probie school with him. He's a he came from Boston to go to the yeah, FDNY. Yeah, yeah. Um His, he was on with the union president. That's the IF guy now. He was, yes. And he was at that job. And he he tells me about it. He said it was heartbreaking. It was it was terrible, really. Anytime you hear that, like I, I like to listen to a lot of audio about jobs. And uh Neil Mullane. Yeah, Neil Mullane. Thank you. Neil Mullane. I just I just texted with him yesterday, as a matter of fact. Um, yeah, he was at that job. But anytime, like I said, I like to listen to a lot of, of response tapes. You know, to me, it's almost like a, a Broadway play. You have the, the alarm going off, the company's responding, the buildup, the crescendo, the giving the signal of the yeah. job, and then everything that happens afterwards. And I, I happen to come across <laughs> some, a lot of May Day tapes, and it's just... Every time I listen to it, Nick, my I get goosebumps. And uh, I tell you, Billy G, you get Billy G stuff, the uh, the near miss stuff. No, secret list. 
I'll yeah. send you that. I'll send you that connection. He just put one on a couple weeks ago. Yeah. Um, where the dude got caught and he was burning. He was burning and screaming. I, I couldn't listen to it. Yeah, man. It was, it was tough. But I, but I, number one, I use a lot of that stuff when we're teaching classes, but that's how you learn. If you, you listen, we're, we're in Southeastern Connecticut. We're not going to be going to five jobs a day. That's, that's not going to happen. Right. Yeah. So the best we can do is pay attention and watch the, 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 the videos, listen to the tapes. Billy G stuff from the secret list is awesome because mm. he, he gets it. He gets, he's got ways to get the right, the correct info pretty quickly. Uh-huh. Right. But that's how we learn. That's if we're not going to have the experience, if we don't have the ability to have the experiences, right. you know, is it how do, because, because the fire doesn't care. The fire doesn't care if it's a McMansion here in Gales Ferry or a McMansion yeah. in Pennsylvania or Virginia or a McMansion in yeah, Long It doesn't Island. care if you went to a job uh, last year, last month, uh, five years ago. It doesn't really care. It's, it still burns hot. Guys are still going to get hurt. It's the, the, the dangers are still there. You know, It doesn't matter if it's in New York City or a small little place in Connecticut. It don't matter. Well, the only difference is you're hitting it with 39 guys. <laughs> yeah, there is that. That's what Ruffy, that. Uh, my Ruffy says that all the time. We kill with manpower. <laughs> but we used to have a saying in the squad: How many guys? How many guys can you fit into a private dwelling? At least five more. <laughs> Wait, we have this. So we. So here's a good example. You talked about it already. Going to the floor above. Yeah. Right. So uh, it, is that a legitimate tactic? Absolutely. Particularly if you, or a vent enter search is another one, right? Is that a legitimate tactic? Absolutely. But is there a tactic to take when you're the only guy there or there's only two of you, right? And is there something else I can do that can try to put this thing in check? Those are, those are very difficult decisions. And when you're small, and you're in a, a suburban rural whatever you want to call it yeah we will teach you how to do those other things and there might be by some creative design some response design we can get you 15 18 people on a call but you know putting that all together is 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 very hard i watched that i think it was in brooklyn this kid so outside vent guy i think so he he drags a 24 down to the alley throws it throws it up there's an air conditioner and the, the whole back of this building's going and the, it's pushing it's chugging out that window bravest thing i've ever seen he goes up over the air conditioner gets in there to do to do vent enter search however now things are dramatic right next thing i'm like i can't see the window anymore there's nothing but flame coming out of the window next thing he pops out of the window he's smoking <laughs> literally everything that's on his helmet that'll burn is burning the so he comes he and he turns around he doesn't come down head first he turns around he climbs back down and he's running <laughs> and the aide you know what the aide does the aide took his clipboard he's beating all the fire out on his helmet <laughs> yeah, man. use what you got bro yeah right but i'm like because everybody you know, we talk about these tactics and everybody thinks it's like at the smokehouse and 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 yeah i did it once so i know how to do that now no no, you don't. Yeah. You, you know the concept, but you, you. So we show that video. We say this is this is the other side that you may not have seen when you went to that class for three hours yeah. on how to do vent enter search. One right? thing that Just I learned from from doing this podcast is I got a 
great deal of respect for small departments and and the amount of stuff that they could get done with like two or three guys. That to me was foreign when I first started talking to a lot of guys from around the country. Like, how many guys you ride with? Well, we got an officer, a chauffeur, and me. I'm like, yeah. And <laughs> is, there, is there somebody else coming? No. Dude, I have- they get a lot done with a few guys, man. You know, I had four also- guys on four vehicles. Yeah. And right. we try to put one, and the, uh, this is the, they always said it was put the fire up before the chief got there is the best thing to do, I know. But, but we, a whole mission in life was put the fire out. If yep. we, if we had, uh, and the incident commander was running the pump and calling for help, and he's standing outside, right? And it was just put the fire out. If you put the fire out, things get better. A lot of problems go away when you get water on the fire, period. Right. You know? yep. But if you only got, but if it's, if you get three decker, right three or it's a or it's a like a taxpayer yeah. or something where we've got things that can be running around mm-hmm. it's 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 and that's why you see a lot of times i think smaller places will be burning stuff up with dignity right burning it down with dignity because there's just no way we're going to trade we're going to trade a person for a vacant property. building yeah or no. property yeah right no doubt you yeah. you should mention that you we, we didn't mention this you so you guys do travel all over the country uh, oh, yeah, yeah. when we talk about the the uh, the uh, shirts and the and the, or the that side of the business the getting salty uh yeah. apparel yep we would just do my wife was just setting up this year's trade shows i think we have nine trade shows from philly to indy to harrisburg up in are new you england coming somewhere. to new england yeah doing new england first time yeah excellent good we'll yeah. see you there i'm looking forward to it yeah Right. I like it. I like getting out and meeting the, the guys. It's like I said, I love meeting guys when they come over to the booth, you know. And, I think uh, one of the things that you have, I think one of the draws is the 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 the, the New York pizzazz draws them into the booth. But then when they meet you guys, you're down to earth, and it's it's just very relaxing. Yeah. It is, and there's always a line. There's literally always a line. And my wife like, says that when she comes, she goes, oh, these guys lining up to talk to you? I'm like, I guess so. I don't know. <laughs> really? Think about, I mean, I got one. Think about how many pictures you take with people at a show. Oh, man, yeah. It's we amazing. just did one down in Wildwood where it was insane. That's not yeah. that far from us either. No, we almost, we didn't go to Wildwood because that's an outside show. Oh, it was and, hot. Uh, <laughs> yeah, well, it, well, also, they, uh, we have a good friend of ours uh, from East Franklin, uh new jersey and uh he said if it rains it's a yeah it's, it's a, an s show yeah show. right well i'm excited you're going to the new england show this year uh, for, be- you know two years ago we were supposed to go and it got canceled and it got yeah. canceled and yeah. it took me a couple of years to get in there because uh you know we never tried it and well, I guess- well what happened was we were at a place this big yeah and they went to a place this big ah maybe that's oh, why yeah. So where so is it now? Isn't been, it in a casino now? Uh, no, it's in actually it's it, it's in Worcester, um, and I'm, it's not in a casino. Uh, it went to a casino for a couple of years, right? Um, but then they moved out, and they're trying to get more up in the middle of the New England. So it's going to be right, a, right, right. Unless Tony or any of the other guys on know anything different, I think it's Worcester. We were supposed to go last year, but again, they pulled the DCU Center in Worcester. All right, there we go. Thank you, Chris. Uh, they have vodka yeah. there, right? Huh? 
They have vodka there, right? All right, I'm good. I heard, I, allegedly. Allegedly. There might, be, there might be a bar. Listen, there's 22 colleges surrounding the media. Oh, area stop it. That's uh, terrible. <laughs> so there might be a bar here yeah. or there. Well, listen, bro, we've been going. We're, uh, do you have anything else? You want no, to I, had a, I had a great time, man. I knew I would. All right. So we're, we're going to cut it a little bit short uh, tonight. Um, cause it's the night before Thanksgiving. I don't know about anybody else, but I've got some Brian to store and some other stuff. So Kevin, thank you so much, uh, bro, for, uh, Oh, what a time, man. Yeah. I had a good time, Nick. I knew I would when I met you the first time there. All right. I appreciate it. Um, so again, let though you go first. So shameless plugs, let's talk about, uh, you've got a lot of stuff going on. I do just the, uh, getting salty experience, uh, on YouTube. Check us out. Uh, we're also on Spreaker and Spotify and all that other stuff. I don't know how to do that, but it's a good show. It's, I say it's, a, it's the only show that brings the firehouse kitchen table to you. Like I said to you, man, it's, it's, uh, it can get a little coarse there. You know, we do do some drinking. <laughs> we do do some swearing, but the stories are legit from guys from the 60s oh, yeah. and the 70s. You know, uh, we get some hard charges on there. We have a good time. And then, yeah, uh, oh, sorry, go ahead. Not good, Nick. Bob Curley, who was was the chief up in the Bronx during the Warriors, came uh -huh. down here, and uh, he became the fire chief at the submarine base. Oh, and, nice! Uh, oh, was he funny? He well, was get sharp. Me his, get me his number, will you? I'll get him on the show. I don't know if he's still alive. Oh well, then I can't get him on the show. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't actually. So we could probably figure that out for you. I think. Uh, I think when you get John Sulka on, that's going to be a good show. That's gonna yes. be good. Yeah, we got a couple of good uh, hard charges. I got a guy who got on a 1968 TK, uh, Tommy Kuffner. Kuffner. Yeah, we got Captain Ferry from Rescue Five. Um, whole bunch of other guys coming on. Good stuff. It was a different world, man. Different world. Do you yeah. want the second alarm or do you want the third alarm? <laughs> yeah, right. Just nuts. So, uh, yeah. so it, as, as uh, I mentioned, that uh, we also. Uh, well, anyway, let me do our uh, our shameless plugs. So thank you, Kevin. I, I really appreciate it. So for the rest of the group, um, so again, next month, uh, we have John Sulka. Uh, John is not coming on as a battalion chief from New York City. He is coming on as a fire chief. Uh, he runs a small uh, department up in, uh, what what, um, what county is that? Up north, up by, up by uh, Lou. Um, Oh, um, I can't remember. Anyway, Lou lives in Warwick, so he's got to be somewhere around there. Yeah. Warwick. So, so anyway, we're going to be talking about volunteer incentive, you know, volunteer recruitment and holding on to them. And mm -hmm. man, that's just uh, Orange County. Thank you. There you go. John G is killing. He's it. on it tonight, bro. He is Who's on it, man? I'm Johnny, glad he's here. Johnny G on his game. He is, man. I'm glad he's here. <laughs> Um, so he will be talking about recruitment and retention and he runs a good shop up there. He runs a good, but he's, he's like us. He's, he's just struggling. He's struggling to have people come on and stay, uh, yeah. next year. So, um, uh, we did talk about, uh, oh my God, John G is killing John is, he's, he's the guy. Blooming Grove fire department. Holy mackerel. <laughs> I'll have to end up paying this guy a royalty. Get Johnny uh, on the show. <laughs> all right. So who's coming on in January? No. So uh, come on the, in the next year. We're gonna have um, we're gonna have Jason from Fire Department Coffee. 
Um, he's the guy that makes he's all nutty. Stuff. He makes um, funny. Yeah, he's funny. He guy. is nuts. He is so good. Uh, I think yeah. what we're gonna do. So I think we're gonna finish up the leadership with John, and then we're gonna talk about impact. Uh, people have had an impact on the fire service, so we're gonna talk to Jason because Jason, Jason has quite a story. I don't know if it's funny. I saw him at but uh, Indy, I think. Yeah, but yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, actually, I got it. That's where I got the, uh, him and the guy with the mustache there. Yeah, he's another guy that does the parodies. But well, uh, so we're talking. We're gonna talk to the the uh, cancer folks. We're gonna talk to the cancer support network. They're going to come on. We're going to talk to them. And then I've got a couple other people I want to reach out to that have dramatically impacted the fire service and what they've done for us. So it's not necessarily traditional ways. I mean, Jason's Jason's stuff is cutting edge and it makes you laugh. And yeah, it, it is. You got to get me his number if you can. I want to talk to him. He's a funny guy. Oh, I can do that. I can yeah, do that. Text it to me. I'll call oh, him. He'd be, funny. he'd be, he would oh be my God. He'd, yeah. Now he's a, I think he's a Florida guy. Right. Yeah. The coffee, right. Company, like like, the coffee company is like in Illinois or something. But yeah. Uh, yep. Him. Uh, and then again, the we we we've already connected up with the uh, cancer support. I've had three good friends. Uh, three of my best friends. Uh, two had uh, prostate cancer, and 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 one of them ended up having a double mastectomy, and it really slowed him down to the point where he he knew that it was time. I think. <laughs> for him to take a, to take a back seat. Um, but thank God they're all alive and thank God they've all, you know, they've all survived. But uh, in today's world, and we get into, we're not here to have a big argument about clean fire apparatus and clean this, that, and the other thing. The evolution is don't breathe it, don't get it in you, don't drink it, don't lay around in it. And uh, whatever we can do there, you know, to help out with that. Cause it's, it can get be. yourself checked out guys. That's all I can say. Early detection. Get yourself checked out. We ended up, but my boss was real good about it. Uh, before, when this all started, I told him, I said, listen, I want to get every test that's available for our guys. Just, I want PSAs. I want, if there's some new test, it did, we tried the same thing with the, with the HEP3. Mm -hmm. I said, if there's a new test, let's, let's get it. Let's get it on our, let's get it for our guys. We don't want to, we don't want to, we don't want to be going through this. We had a terrible loss. One of our guys lost his wife to leukemia and uh, you know, it impacted, it impacted the group tremendously, mm -hmm. tremendously. We've had some very good friends. Who we've all almost lost uh, that managed to pull through. So, uh, and, and then, and as always, listen, you got some young folks who are getting ready to bolster up for our spring hose testing. We are still testing hose. We are still testing ladders. We are still testing pumps. The guys were out. They, the guys were out. They came back today. They'll be off tomorrow because <laughs> it's Thanksgiving. Um, I think they're off on Friday too. And then we start again next week. We're going to finish up some stuff. So we need that also confined space rescue guys. Listen, we got a lot of outages coming up in the springtime um we we need standby people uh we got some we have got we have a lot of guys from squad 61 that come up and help us kevin where's so, that squad 61 squad 61 oh manhattan no, no. no they're in the bronx <laughs> are they in the bronx yeah, yeah who's down the bottom i was teasing you the 18 eight that's right you're right 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 so um yeah so there we, we've got we're gonna have a lot of work a lot of safety work a lot of fireworks work all that other stuff you know, <laughs> I gotta find out who this guy is. All right. So uh, thank you, everyone. Kevin, yeah, thanks man. again for coming. No everyone, worries. please put your, uh, oh, I never gave the introduction part. And everybody kept their, their uh, 
their phones. Does anyone have any questions for Kevin? I forgot to do that. They got them all muted. Muted. Anybody have a question for Kevin or for me or for anything? Nothing. I like it. All Nothing. good. I'm sorry, John. What? All good. Okay. Thank you. <laughs> all right, Kevin. I'll see you on the road, bro. Yeah, man. Happy Thanksgiving, right. guys. I appreciate. Oh, listen. It. We didn't talk about what. Uh, well, the show is on Monday and Thursday nights. <laughs> Mondays and Thursdays night, YouTube, get salty experience. <laughs> and if you want some good uh, FBNY swag, go to uh, getsaltyapparel.com. There you go. All right. Eat lots happy of turkey. I'll uh -huh. see you. Eat lots right, of turkey. Bro. Yeah. Hey, happy Thanksgiving, everybody. Thank you so yep. much. Bye-bye. Thank you.